to another episode of Space Flicks, a podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to our one solo astronaut, our audience of one. Mm -hmm. We Uh, have one customer in mind. That's right. And it is he. We don't know his taste in movies, so we just only send him... We the really should have best. had him complete like a survey or something or a questionnaire. Yeah. Too late, too late for that. We didn't right. do that. So Which Indiana um, Jones movie is your favorite? That's the one question on the right. survey. Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? You know, questions like that. These will help us determine what types of movies to send you. That's right. Uh so anyway, if the movie passes the bar, we beam it up uh with uh, using up the limited bandwidth we have. And uh that's how that's how our astronaut gets the best of the best. So this week <clears throat> we are discussing 1917. Yes. The latest film from Sam Mendes. That's correct. Uh, you want to read the synopsis? Sure. Uh, the synopsis of 1917 is very uh, long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this will take 12 minutes. This will take the entire length of the movie. <clears throat> April 6th, 1917. As a regiment assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory... Two soldiers are assigned to race against time and to deliver a message that will stop 1,600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. That's the whole synopsis. That's, well, that's what was written by this particular user. <clears throat> okay. Well, you said it's very long, so I was just There were versions that were very long, and, even I, longer. and I picked a short one. Okay. Well done. Okay. Um, so uh, let's do expectations. So you, I feel like I, have I vi- should share... <laughs> That you were very pumped for this movie. So for a I while. had a very special set of expectations for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it's funny. Like I was all about the so the trailer mm-hmm. for this movie uh, happened. Good trailer, great trailer, yeah. fantastic trailer. Um, and I was immediately sold on it. Mm-hmm. Right, and somehow, like I felt like other people who are like into movies that I would talk to, and this would be like in. July or something, mm-hmm. right? I, I would say like, oh yeah, 1917. That's going to be the jam this year. And people are like, what is that? I don't know what that is. I was like, it's going to be the best thing ever, right? Yeah, it was yeah. my, it's my new baby driver, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just was like totally in on it just by the strength of the trailer, right? I was mm-hmm. just sold on it. And then uh, I like just not even, wasn't trying to read anything about it, wasn't looking for anything, but just saw like offhand somebody on the internet commented like, oh yeah, it's all one take. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I was honestly like a little disappointed by that news. Oh yeah. Because I was like, oh no, now it's going to be like a thing that people interrogate about the movie. Right. And that's going to be like the thing that everybody talks about instead of if it's good or not, it'll right. be about like the gimmick of the, of the camera trick. Right. And so that sort of like bummed me out because I wanted it to be like my little special thing that nobody cared about but me, <laughs> although this is ridiculous. It's a giant war movie directed by Sam Mendes, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I was like, oh, this is going to be like a big deal. Like everybody's going to be talking mm, about this. And so, um, but that was the uh, trajectory that my emotions went on sort of in advance of the movie coming out. Okay. Um, that's funny that you felt that way. I think... <clears throat> It seems to me like I am doubtful that a movie being a single take is uh I don't I don't think I, I, I don't think that general audiences would 
like not know what that is, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is that interesting to general audiences. Like Birdman mm-hmm. was kind of like that too, yes, right? Yes, right, right. Um, it's a thing that sort of film geeks, you know, talked about and commented about, right? But it it doesn't feel to me like the thing that a thing that would rise to the level of like the general conversation happening, right? You know, in in the country or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, like, nobody ever in casual conversation about movies, like, very, very few people are like, and the cinematography, yeah. blah, 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 right? Or the editing, right. yeah. Um, I was, so I remember you holding your laptop and being like, you have to watch this trailer. <laughs> um, so I was, I was definitely looking forward to the movie. I don't think, I don't think the trailer hit me in the same way it hit you. Yeah. It looked... It looked really good. Also, I might just not be super into war movies. Yeah. By which I mean they tend to sort of disinterest me. Yeah. Um, but I did think it looked really good. Uh, and now now let's talk uh, first impressions. So yeah. coming out of the theater, how did you feel? How did it compare to your expectations? Um, I quite liked it. Uh but like any, but like all movies that I not deem to be my next Baby Driver mm-hmm. or Atomic Blonde, right? It was like it was good. I liked it, right? But nothing can live up to like the, you know, ecstasy that I imagined I would feel, mm. right? So, so I think our our respective uh, reactions before and after the movie are kind of complementary because. Sounds like I liked it a lot more than you because I, I really loved it. I mean, okay. I, I, I think I was expecting it to be quite good, but I think my takeaway walking out was probably more like what you were expecting. Right. <laughs> Where right. I was like, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think, I think I've, I, I don't, I don't mean to say I've cooled on it. Like I don't like it that much anymore. Like I do still love it. Yeah. But you know, the highs, the emotional highs have sort of worn off. Yeah. Um, but I think coming out of the theater, I was like, is this my favorite movie of the year? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think it quite is at that level, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing. I knew going in about that it was going to be sort of shot as if it's all one take. Yeah. Even though it's not, of course not in, in real life. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought, Oh, that's probably going to be well done. Yeah. Uh, but I think it really, for me, just the fact that you never leave these characters side. Yeah. And you go through so much with them to me, it really did something that other war movies haven't done. Even, even great war movies, you Mm -hmm. know, like, like saving private Ryan or, or, or like, I don't know, platoon or something. It's like, the fact that you never leave their side mm-hmm. makes you feel like uh, it's it's it just it just to me anyway made me feel like I was experiencing it on a level I never had before. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and I think the fact that it's really such an intimate story of just these two characters mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. there's obviously other human beings in the movie, right? But for much of the movie, it's just these two guys and you're, um, you're, so it's like, it's, it's like you're right there with them and it's just them, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, 
it's kind of, to me, it was really cool how it was able to be such an intimate uh, story while being a really kind of uh, realistic war movie at the same time. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, I, I quite liked it as well. I don't know that it, I, I don't know that I ever at any point was like, this is my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, there were sort of like two feelings that I, one that I described a little bit before and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more. Like in addition to say, being a little bit um, worried that the one shot uh, mechanic would be something that like all, that's all anybody would talk about. Mm-hmm. I also knew, and I'm realizing this as, as we're talking that I knew about myself that that was also something that I was going to be thinking about. Oh yeah. For as sure. I watched the movie. And, and we talked about it a little afterwards. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's fair to say if you're paying attention to that, it can be a little distracting, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, for, for sure, I'm sure you did the same thing. Where there were lots of places where I was just looking for looking where for the seams, yeah. yeah. And I just didn't want to be doing that. Anytime like, the camera goes past a tree, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like, ah, that's that's where they there did it is. right there. Uh, any type of blur, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'm so envious of I I heard uh, various people who had seen the movie at like film festivals right before it was like widely publicized or what have you and Mm -hmm. there were some people in like the media and who are film reviewers who walked into that movie not knowing about that mechanic oh yeah and they said like it was stunning when you're watching because you realize Mm -hmm. as you're as it's going like this isn't this isn't doing something that most movies normally do by now and then you realize you know eventually you accept it within the first several minutes like oh it's not it's apparently never gonna yeah cut yeah. Right. And that is going to. And so I think there's some sort of like uh, exhilaration that mm-hmm. you feel in that discovery versus me. Like I'm walking in like I know I know the rule. So now I'm just looking for seams. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's sort of like that's not the way I want to be watching a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like um, if you, t- you know, spo- well, like it's just like any other spoiler, really. Right. It's like. It's a thing. That, that, the fact that it's all a single take. I think so. Or it's shot as if like, it's a single I, take. I would rather not be looking for it and and discover it than be yeah. looking for it. Yeah, I know what you mean, but um, I don't know. Of all the kinds of things that can be spoiled about a movie, I think it, describing the way it's shot is sort of pretty low on the relatively list. fair game. Yeah, I, I will say, um, even though I did love the movie, um just since we're talking about the single take thing, I do think I had a little bit of a, uh, of a come down from that watching the, um, the end credits mm-hmm. when it just, when you start seeing the number of digital, uh, like artists, uh-huh. the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I remember when it got to like the, you know, the effects team, basically mm-hmm. it was just an enormous list of names. It yeah. was like, it seemed like, hundreds of people probably yeah and i was like oh yeah you know like these are the people who kind of like probably had a hand in doing a lot of the things that seemed really impressive to me right um including you know uh camera movements and things like that 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 we both talked about after we're like how did they 
how did they do that? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, maybe they just used the computer. Right, maybe that. they didn't do it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that made me think, I mean, it does not take away in any way from what the experience of watching right. the movie is. I think there's just a part of me that, you know, in the same way when you watch a Mission Impossible movie, you're like, and Tom Cruise really did that, you yeah, know? Yeah. It somehow contributes to the to how impressive it is. Right. But when you're like, well, I mean, you know, he didn't actually do that, but it looks that way on the screen, right? That's the magic of movies. You're like, yeah, but I kind of <laughs> wish that you did really do it. I don't right. know. Tom Cruise did it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but no, there were things that the camera did in this movie that I, I do wonder. It's It seems like they probably couldn't have possibly done it. So it must have been effects. But anyway, I, I certainly don't know. Um. In any case, you liked it a lot. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about box office. How okay. much did the box office love it? Uh, Guess how much it made in its opening weekend. Okay, I'm pretty sure it only opened. It opened in New York and L.A. Yeah, actually, uh, that is true. But and I know that normally when we do this. You're supposed to guess anyway, mm-hmm. but I'm going to propose, if you don't mind, how about you guess what it made in its opening weekend after it went into wide release? Oh, I'm so ready for my Oh, okay. All right. If you wanted theater. to do the other one, if you wanted to do the other one. It opened in New York and LA, probably in like one or two theaters in each market. And... uh it's probably... And I remember from our from my terrible guessing in our Jojo Rabbit conversation that being on, you know, three screens or five screens or whatever, you're going to make it an opening weekend, like $300,000. So I'm going to guess this movie on a similar number of screens made more money. $400,000. Well, by its first Sunday, mm-hmm. it had made about a million dollars. What? Ugh. But it did open on a Wednesday. So really long weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I don't feel terrible about you're not, this. You're guess. not an order of magnitude off. I think you're. I think if you were to subtract Wednesday and Thursday, it's probably not too far. Let's see. Wednesday it made two hundred fifty thousand, and Thursday it made four hundred. Thirty-eight thousand. Oh no, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, cumulatively, cumulatively by Thursday. So if you subtract four hundred thirty-eight thousand, so it did make like five hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars. Yeah, close to six hundred thousand. So your guess of four hundred thousand. Not horrible. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. And that was in eleven theaters. Oh, more theaters. Than, more theaters than I thought too. Yes, maybe it did not as good. As like a Jojo rabbit per screen. Um, okay, great. Anyway, do you want to guess after the wide release? Yeesh. Opening weekend. Mm-hmm. It did really, it, I, I feel like it did really well. I feel like it's a... I'm it, guessing I, it did well. I don't, I don't actually know. I feel like it's considered a hit. Um, eight, oh, yeah, I think I think so. I mean... 18 million. Oh, so by 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 it's the Sunday of its wide release, it had made almost forty million. What? I'm so bad at this. All right, 
40 minutes. No, which is great. I mean, I mean, makes me happy for the movie anyway. Yeah, I mean, I and know. And it looks like to date it's made, hold on, how long, how much has it made to date? Oh, yeah, over a hundred million. It's mm-hmm. made it's 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 coming up to it's like made a hundred twenty made a hundred twenty some million. Well so liked far. movie. For sure. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh all right. Well that's box office. We don't need to dwell on that anymore. And I think I'm getting worse at that. There was a time where I felt like <laughs> I was I was like tuned in <clears throat> and I you, do, I you do pretty well most of the time, uh, I think. I just am all over the place. All right. All right. Themes of the movie. What are the themes? Well, there's like a like I feel like duty mm-hmm. is like a huge part of this movie, right? Yeah, that's a good. That's I think that's the right word to encapsulate it. Um, just the sheer responsibility of executing a task that you do not want to do, right? Right. I mean, actually, well, it's the, interesting how they set it up because there's basically two soldiers. Mm-hmm. One, one has a personal motivation to fulfill this mission because yep. it's, it's his brother. And Whose then, life is potentially at yeah, risk. That's, yeah, that's in danger. And then the other soldier does not have any kind of personal connection other than that he's seemingly this guy's friend. Yes, they, as they are. They, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're... Band of brothers. Right, exactly. They're, they're teammates. So, um... So yeah, so the so it, for sure the second character what's what's his name? So the 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 character who it has a re- relative in the fight, mm-hmm. right? That is Lance Corporal Blake. Blake, uh huh. And then there's Lance Corporal Sco- Schofield. Schofield. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Blake. By the way, did you realize that was Tommen? I very much did. <laughs> yes. I totally didn't. I was like. Know that face? Yeah. I can't quite he's place just, it. Yeah, he's just older and thicker. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but I would say it's Schofield in particular who's kind of uh, going along out of a sense of duty. Yeah. Not it's not to save his brother. It's just right the assignment. He's he, he's not going to let his you know his partner down. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but I think like if in the beginning of the, so the way it's presented to them is. Um, Blake is the one who's been summoned to the general's quarters mm-hmm. and he has to bring somebody with him and he yeah. picks Schofield and you know, uh, that Schofield, you know, in the, in the moment after they get assigned this task of delivering a message to sort of the new front, right. The new front line, which has now moved several miles. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, and I feel like the character communicates this in every way, including with his words at various points. Like, if they had given him a choice at that exact moment to yeah. say, like, or you can go take a nap under the tree. Right. Right. He would be like, tree. Yeah. Like, a, a hundred times out of a hundred, I'm going mm-hmm. to take a nap. Right. Like, um, and so uh, one of these soldiers is doing this out of a sense of duty to his brother. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the other is doing it out of a sense of duty just as a, as a soldier and a responsive responsibility for his, his bond with his comrade, his fellow soldier and out of obligation to the, the his duty, uh, his role in the war. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is like the feeling that I think gets magnified, especially by the end. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, there is one driving force that has sustained him throughout the movie. Uh, and like, it is sort of at a, just a fever pitch by the end of the film. Yeah. I, uh, 
I don't I don't disagree. I think that's I think that's the the main theme of the movie for sure. I would also say that um I think I'm saying the same thing, but I almost want to say that this movie is like an ode to finishing what you started. Mm-hmm. Like like yeah. just just the 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 idea of completing a job, you know, where you might get assigned the job and not know how hard it is, mm-hmm. or you might be a little, uh, you know, or or you might sort of be find that you have to do something and you don't know just how risky or just how dangerous it is. Yeah, but to com- the idea of committing to do it mm-hmm. and then doing it, yep. no matter the cost, um, feels to me like what's what's really like driving these characters because they go through some. It goes even even early in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, some really harrowing things, and and I think part of why I loved the movie so much was just I loved watching characters who were just like, we're gonna do this thing, yeah, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop, we're not gonna turn away and give up, right? It's just like we do it until either it's done or we're dead, right? There's two moments relatively early in the film with Blake that really moved me. And the first is after they've been given, and I'm, I think I called this out to you. Oh, right when I we know. Saw, yeah. I know the like, line there's, um, Schofield says to Blake after they've been given the order, he says, okay, let's take a minute. Like uh-huh. let's, let's take a minute and, and talk, talk about, about this. Or this. Something. And Blake says, why? And uh-huh. immediately starts walking <laughs> As fast as he can yeah. in the is, direction he needs so to go. It's funny that he says why, but he's right. not waiting for an answer to that question. Well, it's sort of like it's it, for him. It's purely rhetorical, right? right, right he's right. like, What's there's the no, go, there's no good reason mm-hmm. that you can give Nothing me to talk for about. me to for me to not start walking right now, yep. right? Um, and then I think as a follow-on to that, Schofield sort of imploring Blake to to wait is saying like, if we're not clever about this nobody will get to your brother, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Blake says, I will, mm. right? Yeah. And I remember being so moved by that because he was um, so certain and so committed to your point. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do it. Yep. I don't know how, but I'm going to, mm-hmm. right? And there's something really thrilling about seeing somebody who doesn't know, like, and in some ways it's very similar to what we talked about when we were talking about mission impossible. Fallout. I, I was totally going to say the same, right? Thing. It's like, figure it out. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it because I have to do it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and I just love that sense of belief, right? There's something yeah. very uh, exhilarating and, um, in a way sort of inspiring about that quixotic kind of mission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I totally would. I totally agree that there is a an undercurrent of respect for just the sheer doggedness of finishing what you start, regardless yeah. of what you learn about how impossible that task may be. I think there's. Um, I think you know every everybody sees the world a different way, and we all in our minds can. We're sort of capable of holding certain things fixed and then treating other things as variable. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of how how your imagination works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people, most of the time, they view they view most of the world as fixed, including what can I get done, or, or sorry, 
most of the world has fixed like the limitations and restrictions. Yep. The things that are variable are like, what can I maybe achieve within the constraints? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but, but another way of viewing the world that some people do is you treat what you can do as, or what you have to do as fixed, you know, and the other mm-hmm. things are variable. How do I change everything else to yeah. make this thing happen? And I think yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of what it, what, it, what it means when Blake says, you know, I will. It's like, mm-hmm. that is a given in mm-hmm. my head. Yeah. Other things I'm not sure I have to figure out, you know. Yep. Um, but, uh, but that is happening <laughs> right. for sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, sounds like that's, that's, we, we can agree on that as the theme. Um, I think at this stage we just go ahead and, and give the spoiler warning because we'll, we'll just start talking about yeah. stuff that happens in the movie. Yeah. So, okay, spoiler warning for 1917. Uh, right now. Yep. You know, go ahead and pause your thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Go, watch, go watch 1917. Go watch 1917, yeah. Come back to us. Um, so moving on, uh, do you want to make, do you want to compare this movie to any other movies? Is it the rich man's or poor man's version of a movie? Well, uh, I, you know, the rich man's version of Russian arc, (laughs) Russian arc, a movie I may or may not have fallen asleep in. Um, snoozer. Well, it's just, it's too, at any rate, we don't need this. We're not here to (laughs) pile dirt on Russian arc. If you want to watch, if you want to watch a movie, that's all one, or at least appears to be one continuous shot. Yeah. Definitely watch this one. Yes. Yeah, right. If you had to pick between the two, this one's <laughs> way more exciting. Uh, I mean, it's hard to compare to other war movies. Yeah. What I'm really wondering about is sort of like the idea of... Um, it, I do feel like a, a type of trope that you and I... Te- that tends to resonate with the both of us is this idea of like a mission to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And like the movie is about the journey to get there. Like the prem- the point being like, we ain't going back. We're not revisiting right. places we've been, mm-hmm. right? We're just, we have to get there. And the fir- the closer and closer we get to there, the harder and harder it gets, right? This is one of the things we loved about Annihilation. We talked about this with Ad Astra. I'm, I, I suspect there are other movies we've seen that sort of reflect that idea. Yeah. Um, famously, Apocalypse Now. Uh, and so this movie, I, I'm thinking about those movies when I think about this one. Yeah, I, my mind also went to Apocalypse Now. Um, and I think you, you identified the reason I was like, it's not really like a, it's not really like they're going into the heart of darkness. Right. I mean, there are definitely some dark places, but, but with apocalypse now, heart of darkness, it's sort of like progressively into the sort of like innermost rings of hell, you know, right. This movie's not quite that. It's more of a linear, like a to B, like you said, Yeah. but, but I think it's the irreversible nature of it right you're never going backwards you're always going in one direction right yeah the characters the thing that unifies the characters in all those different situations is like it almost doesn't occur to them to stop and go back no right i mean in this movie there's a very specific reason as to why that motivation is yeah because time is of the essence times of the essence and you don't want 1600 people to die yeah uh unnecessarily um but like, uh, you know, other movies that like Annihilation, I think, is the one that we talked about where it's like it is so logical 
for them to stop and turn around and yet they can't. And so, um, I think this movie, um, it's almost like their sense of duty pushes them forward versus a movie like annihilation. It's like some, a, a more sort of insidious, uh, like insanity kind of is the thing that pushes them forward. But like this movie, it's like, gosh, Schofield would love to stop. Right. Yeah. He, but he just can't. Can't. Won't allow himself to. Um, so, so, um, those are some, it's, I I mean, it's like really, we're comparing it to other really great movies. So yeah, I wouldn't call it the rich man's version, but, um, but no, I think it's, I mean, to it's me, good company. It, it sort of feels like you need time to pass before you can make a declaration of whether it belongs in that, you know, at that echelon. But it certainly feels to me like it belongs in that top tier. Yeah. Of movies. Yeah. For me, I think one of the things that really sets this movie apart, I don't know that I find it to be like as thematically or um, philosophically as rich as some of those other movies. Um, but one of the things that this movie does so well, and I think the, the, the camera mechanic actually really helps reinforce this in a, in a useful and very compelling way is just the physicality of what they are doing mm-hmm. and what they have to endure to keep going. Um, they have to, there's a, it's just a totally varied array of things. And this, and that is what I will think of often when I think of this movie is just how well it conveys sort of like the physical peril and variety of um, sort of physical obstacles that they have to get around and through mm-hmm. in order to make this journey. And I feel like lots of movies um, sort of uh, skirt the physicality of what the characters have to achieve. They sort of like you cut and they're just in another part. Right. right? And this movie, it's like, y- this is tiring. Yeah. Right. This, oh, for sure. This is hard to do. You're in pain. You're dirty. You're cold. You're tired. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and like, it, it's just gonna, it, this is just, you have to not stop walking, not stop running. Right. It's also, it's also scary, you know, like, totally. Yeah. Like, I think something about in a movie when it can cut, there's this like relief to the cut. Yeah. Right. Where, like, for example, immediately after a cut it's almost like the characters are safe for a little bit because you're never going to cut and then immediately someone gets killed right? like from a scene perspective yeah right? like i mean scene. from like a pacing perspective like a cut gives you a little bit of like okay we just cut that to something part else. is over yeah, yeah 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 and so now i got like a little bit of time before i would would need to worry that something's going to happen again right and when you never cut like a per, uh, someone could pop out of anywhere at any, at any time, time yep. they're they're completely on their own. They're they're going along a route where, you know, the reason they only sent the two of them is like we don't even know. We think the enemy's gone, but um, like we got some aerial photos, right? But like we don't know if there's stragglers sitting right. around hiding behind trees and stuff, right? Um, so yeah, a lot of the movie, I, I at least in the beginning, I think the it they get to some places where it feels a little safer. Um, But for sure, when they're first coming out and they're just very slowly progressing through, you know, no man's land. Yeah. That's like all kind of, 
frightening. You're just like, right. I don't know it, if they're safe right now. Right, because everybody else that they've talked to is like, don't even stick your head up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, like you're gonna yeah, get the guy who you're gonna get killed like the minute you pop your head above this wall. The right? I love the when the, the commander or whoever it is, you know, the guy who's just kind of lazily smoking a cigarette. Andrew Scott, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when they go to him and they're like, we're gonna go out here. He's like, I mean, you're gonna die. You know, right. like he's like, I'm not coming to get you, but <laughs> yeah. he gives him a flare and he's like, all right, when when they're coming to kill you, just do us the courtesy of throwing that back over here because we're going to need it. Right. Yeah. Like if he you is... survive long enough to remember this, just at least throw it back here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all those things. Uh, it's it's scary. It's uh, it's. It's just I don't know. I I I feel like it's it's a worthy it it definitely stands. I think that's the thing that in it like sort of separates it from a lot of these other movies that are about journeys. I feel like um they are ostensibly about journeys, right? But they're sort of about like checkpoints really, mm-hmm. like along the journey. And this is this movie while there are certainly checkpoints, right? Is about like how do I physically get around this giant hole filled with water? How yeah. do I get across this broken bridge? How do I get through this bombed out town? How do I get across this river? You know, like yeah. just the just the exhaustion that accompanies having to physically problem solve like that while you are in mortal danger the entire time. Yeah. Um, just really, I think, um, you know, hits home. And, and it, I think exhausts the audience in a similar way, in a, in a good way. Yeah, totally. It's it's uh, and it really made made me appreciate the actors quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That yeah. there's just you know, c- scene is long. Yep. N- not a lot of cuts. You have to, like you said, like climb this bridge. You know, mm-hmm. like you just you were just doing some serious acting, mm-hmm. you know, a second ago. Yeah. Now you need to get out of the car and go over to this broken bridge and climb up onto it and and walk very carefully along this narrow, you know, frame. Yep. And uh yeah, what's being act- asked of the actors in this movie is is a lot. It's impressive that they're able to pull it off so Yeah. Well. And I I like I think um as far as the performances are concerned as far as the performances are concerned, uh, they are doing a great job of um, being very human in as much as even if you and I are doing, you know, imagine we're, I'm, I'm remembering back to a time when you and I carried like a dresser up the stairs, mm-hmm. right? And immediately before we're carrying the dresser up the stairs, we're talking about whatever we're talking about, right? And then in the moment right? All we're talking about is how do I, how do we get this dresser up these stairs in such a way that like it doesn't fall down the stairs and kill us both. Yeah. Right. And then we get it all the way up the stairs and then immediately you're back to whatever you were talking about before. Right. Right. And I feel like that's how life works, right? Like you take these little, you're, you take these little pauses from the things that are interesting to you Mm -hmm. and are meaningful to solve a physical problem Yep. Right, and then you get through the physical problem, and then you're like, "All right, what's next?" Right, yep. like yep. let's get back to whatever we were doing before. And I feel like these actors do a great job of really conveying that. Right, mm-hmm. they're sort of like as soon as they get out of a collapsed, um, you know, uh, a trench, right, 
after having sort of gone to the German side of the front line, right? And they've like washed out their eyes and they're like starting to, it's like, all right, let's resume what we were talking about, right? Because that part's over now. And I think the actors definitely, it's, I think it's easy to um, act as if uh, these performers, all they're doing is climbing stuff and running and that's really, but it's like, no, I really do feel like these are two people who know one another who are, um, having to solve some physical problems together and they're behaving the way that two people familiar with one another would behave in that situation. Right. Yeah. What are, do we do best parts of the movie next? Uh, usually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I think I did want to, uh, pause for a second and come back to the, the theme that you mentioned now that we're in the spoiler section. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't want to say it then, but like when it comes to duty and finishing something you started, it it really it really crystallizes for me when Blake does get killed, mm-hmm. and then you know Schofield is now in a position of like, it's not my brother, you know. Right. Um. Granted, he's a you know he's a he's a soldier. He's been given a mission, and there are sixteen hundred lives or whatever it is at stake. Yeah. But nonetheless, there's there's definitely something very to me, very touching about the fact that this, you know, his partner has been killed and now he's just doing it just out of duty mm-hmm. at this point. And I think that it's funny because I feel like he um, was quite begrudging and sort of verbally so mm-hmm. at various points, right, where he says to Blake, he's like, you could have picked anybody. Yeah. Why did you have to pick me? Right. Right. Um, and, and that's a fair complaint, right? Um, sure. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it, and, but it's, it's, it's sort of like, um, there's something like Job esque, right? Like there's something, uh, or maybe, maybe that's not a good comparison, but and it's there, like, why do I deserve this? There, it's like bad things happen to good people, mm-hmm. right? Like it's bad luck, right? Yeah. You had bad luck and you drew the short straw and now this is your job. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he understands that on a um, intellectual level, right? But he can't he can't help his emotions sort of saying, like, this mm-hmm. is unfair, yeah. right? And I feel like after the death of Blake at the midpoint of the movie, Schofield sort of, like, abandons his begrudging, yeah, like, yeah. approach Which to it. Which feels perfect to me, right. you know? It's like, it's like he's... It, it, it's forced him to kind of just be mature and accept it and embrace it. And and basically he, I think that determination that Blake had in the beginning sort of transfers to him. Right. To where it's like, okay, I'm doing this. It's not optional. Right. Know? And also he doesn't, I mean, his, his fellow soldier, you know, has died right in an mm-hmm. effort to make this happen. Right. And he's like, and if I fail, right, then, I will have fa- like I will have failed my friend. Yeah, right? right. I won't have failed just the mission. I'll have failed him. Right. He he was counting. He would on have me. wanted me to finish this. Yeah. Right. Um. That was very powerful to me. So, but since we're in best parts of the movie, I mean, really, that whole scene I did think was pretty incredible. You know, from like with the airplane. Yeah, because I mean, 
again, we're back to, uh, I guess it could have been the digital effects artists who just made this happen, but, sure, but, but you know, they're in this, um, they find this abandoned farm, uh, barn. Mm-hmm. He, there's even some milk. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is such a, such a, such a much needed respite, you know, right. We can kind of relax here for a minute, just for a minute. Cause we mm-hmm. still got to keep going, but we can have some stop and get fill my jug with milk, mm-hmm. you know, we can maybe have a little chat, and then it's like, oh look, look a uh, what do they call it? A dog fight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right up in the sky. It's like, wow, watch these airplanes go. And then as you realize, like, oh, we, we got them, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, that airplane's coming this way. It's gonna, mm-hmm. it's gonna crash, you know, kind of close to here. And then, you know, they both realize, holy crap, it's like coming really close to here, and they're mm-hmm. running from it. And then it crashes into the barn. I mean, my thought was, again, maybe they faked it, but my thought was like, oh my gosh, did they like film this scene and they actually had like air, like pilots flying airplanes and one of them had to like crash the airplane (laughs) onto the set? Yeah. Um, It just seemed amazing. I mean, I don't know that maybe there's some clever way that they actually did that. Right. But, uh, but I did think the scene was pretty great. Just that how it went from, you know, a, this, like I said, this, this respite to a plane is crashing into the barn. Right. And then, you know, and then we got to drag the guy out. And then yep. of course it ends with, yep. doesn't really end. No scene in this movie really ends, but, uh, but I guess you could say it, it more or less ends with Blake, unfortunately now losing his life because he was being a good person. Right. To help the guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that actually is a moment where, um, it's precisely in fact, the type of thing that Schofield was warning about in the beginning. Right. He's right. like, we can't afford mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have to be, uh, laser focused on what we're trying to achieve. Cause if we turn our gaze, right. Like yeah. there's any number of dangers out there awaiting us. And Blake, in sort of um, a moment of kindness and a moment of, in some ways, weakness, right, um, exhibits sympathy to his, in judgment. his enemy mm-hmm. who uh, doesn't feel the same right. affection for him. And so um, it's one of those things where if they had swapped places, right, and Schofield had been the one with the injured German and Blake had been the one getting the water, mm-hmm. right? I would suspect actually that both characters would remain alive. Because Schofield would have just Sco- Schofield would probably hold him at gunpoint, right? Yeah, like maybe. little thing, you know. And it's and so I think like um, it's where like Blake's instincts, right, are the things that he allows himself to be governed by, and in lots of lots of times that works out well. Right, he ends up saving Schofield's life, sort of near the beginning of the movie when they're um, in the collapsing trench, mm-hmm. right? But it's not infallible, no. Um, and ultimately, sort of in the exact same way that Schofield uh, got picked for this just out of dumb bad luck, right? Like Blake made a bad choice, and it's just just bad luck. The end for him. Yep. Uh, what other scenes did you find to be best of the movie? I I found um, from the moment that Schofield gets off the so he get after the scene where Blake passes, 
he then runs into like a, a different battalion, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he gets on a truck and he rides on the truck for a little bit and then ultimately gets dropped off at a bridge that has been bombed. And so it is not traversable from hit the moment he uh, jumps from uh-huh. one side of the bridge to the next. Um, I just find the next call it 15 minutes oh, yeah. to be riveting. Right. Yeah. Um, it involves, uh, him having to um, disarm and remove a threat that is a sniper um, up in a tower. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that uh, is an extremely tense sequence with uh, him being shot at and having to return fire and then make his way up the tower and then ultimately um, barely avoid being shot by that said sniper um, mm-hmm. right. But as he, uh, you know, ends up, uh, executing that man falling backwards down the staircase, hitting his head, being unconscious mm-hmm. and then awakening in what is one of the most stunningly lit and shot scenes in the movie, uh, oh, for sure. where it's, uh, him traversing a bombed out town Flares going overhead. With, with the only, uh, lit just by flares. Mm-hmm. I just find it to, I found it to be like haunting and uh, like nothing I'd seen before. Oh yeah. I can't recall having seen a film that looked like that. Um, yeah. And, and, and he's, and he's, um, you know, I think when we talked, you, you did compare it to the video game inside yes. at one point. That probably is the most inside esque part of the movie to mm-hmm. me, where he's he's being shot at, and uh, flares are going overhead, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like he's doing his best to hide. At, at first, at least, he kind of gives up at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But as I recall, he's sort of hiding or, or taking cover mm-hmm. when it's when it's fully lit, and trying to make some progress when it's more dimly lit mm-hmm. to make it harder to shoot at him. Um, but then I think he just is like, I just got to run. Yep. Um, but that, uh, that, yeah, that's like really, again, back to just when the, the experience of following along the character being there with them, it's a uh, very anxiety inducing, you know, right. The, the sort of the fact that it's like being shot at, I don't know from where exactly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's, there's enemies all around me. I loved that actually. Yeah. Like, because I was trying to triangulate, uh, where the gunman was, mm-hmm. uh, based on sort of where the shots were hitting. Right. And where he was and where somebody might be able to see him and what we could see from, with, from the camera. And I sort mm-hmm. of accepted after a few moments of trying to do that, I was like, it will be impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the point. Like very disoriented. All he knows is that like bullets are landing near him mm-hmm. and there's, he just has to flee, yeah. right? He has to get out of there because he's not going to be able to find who's shooting at him. He's not going to be able to um, disarm them. Right. At some point, I don't, I guess probably right after the sequence with um, in the tower, I imagine his rifle doesn't work from that point forward. Like, or he's out of bullets or something. Um, um, yeah, that sounds right, because I think he doesn't use it again after that. 
Yeah, and there are situations where he's holding it, mm-hmm. but he, um, you know, as part of that sequence, for example, he encounters two German soldiers, one of whom is sickeningly drunk, mm-hmm. right? And the other of whom, rather than shoot, he has to dispatch with because that man won't cooperate and be quiet. And yeah. so he has to strangle him. Yeah. Right. And I remember thinking, I was like, why wouldn't you just shoot him in that situation? If you really have to like, you know, end end this. And so I think from that point forward, he's sort of just a totally helpless person. Maybe. Right. Maybe he just didn't want to call attention to himself. I thought about that as well, but I don't believe he uses it again. And there are situations where it probably would be like helpful for him to use after that scene. Well, like as an example, a sequence where he's being chased and shot at like a simple way to like, you could potentially fire back yeah, and like at least get them to take cover. Right. Right. Um, but he doesn't, he just hoofs it. Right. So I think in that sequence, there's just something so exposed and, um, you know, like endangered, about his performance and about the way that he's positioned in this town, which I mean, like the town is bombed out. There's like quite literally no shelter. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I, yeah, I just find that whole sequence from the bridge all the way to the point where he jumps into the river as just like a very compelling sequence. Agreed. Uh, What else? I think, I mean, and then I think the, finale of the film right the Mm -hmm. the 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 climax of the film i think will certainly be one that is recounted regularly as as excellent um the one thing i will say is that was uh one of the things that i just really enjoyed about the trailer and one of the reasons i was like this is the new baby driver um is it is because the the feeling that i got from the trailer was this is going to be a movie of two people running the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be going against traffic that yeah. and all common sense will tell them go the other way, right? Um, and that culminates in the trailer with um, Schofield running through the battlefield. Kind of um, perpendicular. To per, the, yeah, yeah, perpendicular. to the, Like everybody's running to the left mm-hmm. and he is running down screen right um and uh i i one i found that sequence to be quite exhilarating and tense um but i also was a little bit bummed i was like i've seen this in the trailer Mm. right um it still was very exciting for sure, for sure but it's it's things like that that i was like man i would this would have been that much more uh impactful had I not even known. But I get they have to sell the movie, right? Like, I get it. And would you have been as psyched? I don't know. That's a big scene. Yep. So um, that's, a, that's an excellent scene, uh, in part because of the pyrotechnics of the entire thing, um, but also for all the same thematic reasons that we covered up front, right? Like, he's so close yeah. to achieving his mission. He's like, it's now or never, right? If I, if I wait and I sort of navigate around everybody in this trench, right? Just needlessly large numbers of people are going to die. Yeah. Right. 
But if I can get there and I can get there fast, right, I have a chance of saving a lot of lives, mm-hmm. right? And so he just goes, he's like, it's, if I don't do this, I will have failed. Yep. So this is my only option, yep. right? Back to the sense of duty. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's totally what's happening in that scene, I feel, is, is again, the, the idea that I have to do this. Failure is not an option. Um, and you know, you just look at your, you look at the options that are in front of you and it's like, well, success would require that I get there fast. The only mm-hmm. fast way to get there is directly, you know, up, get- up and out of these trenches yep. and beeline straight there. And you know, if a naysayer were to come along and be like, but you could die. It's like, but that's the only option right. to get there quickly. Right. Well, it's like, if my, if my choice is, die, it's not. If my choices are between, um, you know, death and failure, mm-hmm. right? He's like, I choose death, right? Like, well, I'll just I'll pick the path that is necessary if success is going to happen, right? Right. Well, because yeah. he's like, basically, if I stay here, I fail, mm-hmm. right? And I do not accept that. So, what's you know exactly to the point you made where it's like, if he was just thinking about the constraints of the situation, he would say, well, I've got a higher, I've got a much higher probability of dying if I get out of this trench. Mm -hmm. So what's a way that I can get there and not get out of the trench. Yeah. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. What's a way that I succeed period. It involves me running. Right. And so, um, and I think that that, that sequence is so much richer for what I later learned were some of the, the mistakes Right. Of him like colliding with him. he's not he it wasn't planned that he was gonna get he was gonna run into two different people, right? Mm-hmm. It was not planned that he was gonna run into anybody. Yeah. And but just by it it thematically enriched enriches the movie because it's sort of like it's the, not a smooth ride. The it's, people who are even on his team, right, whose lives he is trying to save mm-hmm. are the people who are preventing him, him over. <laughs> from getting where he needs to go. Yeah. Um, through no fault of their own, right? Like they're just right, doing, they're, they're doing their mission. Right. His, but. Um, and just like the, uh, the way in that moment that because he's sort of knocked sideways, the camera keeps moving and gets farther and farther away from him. Mm-hmm. And he's still sort of like stuck in the distant background trying right. and he needs to catch up the, the, <laughs> because we've been so accustomed to staying with Schofield, right? It feels wrong, Mm. right? To like leave him behind. Mm. Um, And it just further uh, encourages, like as a viewer, I'm sort of like, come on, like you have to catch up, right? Like I can't, we, the viewer can't do this without you. Yeah. Right. And so like, you need to get where you're going, like, please. Right. Like I can't, I, I can't bear the idea of finishing this movie and you not succeeding. That's right? true. Um, and so, yeah, that whole scene, that whole sequence is, you know, very, very exhilarating. Agreed. I loved the, um, I want to say the very, I don't know if it's the, the very last scene, but close to last scene um, where he finally does meet officer Blake mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Um, another game of Thrones character yes uh but 
it was just such a, you know, quiet, gentle, like it felt like the perfect way to end it. You know, this, this soldier who's been through so much, who's lost his, his, uh, compatriot and, uh, you know, and, and come close to death Mm -hmm. has killed, Mm -hmm. um, and been through so much, just finally getting this like uh, this small interaction with this other man, yeah, where he gets to say, "I was, you know, I was with your brother. He was a good man." That's it. That's pretty much all I gotta say to you, you know. Right. And just, but but I feel like they, you know, they exchange. You should know that, like, I was with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they and they exchange knowing looks, like you know, they've both witnessed some terrible things they've been in this war yeah for a while and then and then finally right he sits down and leans against the tree and it sort of ends with a shot very reminiscent of the opening shot yeah which i thought was beautiful um so lots of great parts of the movie yeah um anything you'd do to fix the movie not particularly i i i feel like i've heard a criticism that the characters are um, ciphers and don't they're sort of like video game avatars and don't really have personalities in the way that like a more traditional leading character is sort of written to have a personality and I don't agree with that assessment um, yeah, me neither I don't I feel like I quite uh, have a sense of who these characters are uh, just in yeah. just by the way that they operate, just by the way they talk to each other. Um, I certainly think so. I think Blake and Schofield have very clearly different personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are they like zany characters? You know, like not that anyone's asking for that, but no. I mean, I think it's very believable that you've got these soldiers who they might not be like the most. Um, they're not like the most unique beautiful snowflakes Mm -hmm. they're 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 pretty dry Mm -hmm. personalities but um they definitely have distinct personalities i think yeah i mean and i i honestly felt like so at the very very end of the movie schofield you know sits next to a tree and leans against it to take a well-earned rest and he pulls out a photograph from his pocket Mm -hmm. from uh, what I believe is a photograph of his wife and daughter or daughters, right? Two daughters. Uh, I don't remember. And on scribbled on the back of the photograph, it says, come back to us. Mm-hmm. Right. And Schofield, uh, has never expressly, um, described what family he has waiting for him at home. Right. Yeah. And earlier uh, they're talking about going home for the holidays and then having to come back to the front. And Schofield says, like, I can't go back. It's worse yeah. to go back. I mm-hmm. need, like, if I go back and then I have to leave again, that'll break my heart, mm-hmm. right? Um, and at the time, you don't know who precisely he's talking about. And because they're both so young, I presumed he was talking about his parents, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um only to sort of discover at the end, at the very end of the film, like he's talking about his wife and children. Yeah. Right. Which makes his commitment to completing the mission that much more sort of heart wrenching. Heroic. Yeah. Right. Um, 
because the willingness that he has to sort of turn off that part of him in order to achieve something that is, you know, sort of morally and ethically good, right. For Mm -hmm. him to do, um, it would be very understandable for him to say like, forget this mission. Right. Yeah. Like, um, but he's just got that, um, that, sort of drive and, and per and sense of duty, as we described earlier, that sort of prevents him. And he doesn't even really seem to consider the alternative too terribly much. No, right. No. Um, so the, that, that was another piece of sort of the character, the characterization of Schofield that I felt was really powerful and didn't to me feel like a cheat. It wasn't like you're adding importance at the end that you didn't earn. I felt like, well, that's kind of the point. Uh, is that Schofield purposely doesn't want to think or talk about that part of his life while he's out here because it would be impossible for him to do his job. But now that he's completed his mission, he will allow himself a little cat nap, a little, a little, a cat nap and a little look, a little look at the photo. Looksy Lou at the photo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't really have any fix the movie things. Um, so I think we're unless unless you have anything else to say, I think we're pretty much finished, and now it's just a matter of saying, do we beam it up or not? I am pro beaming this movie up for sure. I want to beam it up. Yeah, let's do it. All right, there it goes. There it goes. So, uh, nineteen seventeen. I feel like we've given our astronaut a rich collection of high yeah, quality absolutely. films. Absolutely. I think. I think. I like I said before. I don't think this is my Favorite movie of 2019, but it's one of the best in my book. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Uh, I am Dan. I'm Adam. This was Space Flicks. Thank you. Thank you.